0: You are listening to the
1: Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Zach's upcoming season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 319. I'm your host, Reality Steve, and this is the final Thursday podcast of 2022. No, 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 no. The Thursday podcast isn't ending. It's rolling along. This is we're heading into, well, in December of this year. It was know, a few weeks ago, was six years I've been doing it, so. We are now at the very beginning of year seven of the Thursday podcast, the weekly podcast, and big things coming in 2023, if you've been listening to the Daily Roundup. Anyway, our guest this week, Dave Neal. I got him as he's heading to the airport. A good conversation today, talking about influencing, talking about stand-up comedy life, a lot of good Bachelor Nation talk, and a lot of good stand-up comedy talk, I think. So we will get to Dave momentarily. If you have not been listening to the Daily Roundup, maybe you have heard the news. Well, if you haven't been listening, there's no way you heard this news because I haven't posted it anywhere. But come hopefully Monday, if not Monday, then the following Monday, January 9th, but hopefully this Monday, January 2nd, I am adding a new podcast. Now, it's not going to appear in your Reality C podcast feed because it is a sports podcast podcast. I am going to do a basically a daily sports show for pretty much the same way as I've been doing the daily roundup, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It all depends on what's going on that day. But it's going to have its own separate feed because I don't need it mixed in with Reality Steve stuff. It's going to have nothing to do with The Bachelor. Nothing will change in The Bachelor world. I can promise you that. It's not like it's going to take away from my Bachelor world and my Bachelor coverage and my columns when Zach's season starts on Monday the 23rd. You're still going to get your recaps on Tuesdays, your reader emails on Wednesdays, your Thursday podcast. It just means that I am now going to be doing two daily podcasts a day and your Thursday podcast. So you're going to get 11 podcasts from me a week. Now, I totally understand that my Bachelor audience While there will be some carryover, and a few of you have emailed me and said you're looking forward to my sports podcast, I don't expect a giant carryover. This is more of a passion project for me because you know my background is sports talk radio, and I've never gotten back into it. I've never really had much of a motivation to get back into it because I don't want to go work for anyone else. I don't want to work for a radio station where you're only allowed a certain amount of time. You're probably going to have a co-host, and the bottom line is you're restricted by FCC regulations. I mean, this will be my podcast. This is what I've always wanted to do. Now, I'm not doing a full show. I'm not taking calls. Um, it's just going to be... We're going to start out. It's called the Sports Daily with Reality Steve. Nothing too complex about it. I've got my artwork. I've got my music. i got basically everything set to go. I hope to put out a, a trailer for it uh, either today or tomorrow. But And if, if that goes up, then that means the podcast is starting on Monday. So, I am I'm looking forward to it. As I said, it's going to be football extensive, probably up through the Super Bowl, and then we'll transition into NBA and college basketball. But it's not going to be some local show. I you know I live in Dallas. I'm not going to just sit here and talk about the Mavericks and the Rangers and the Stars and the Cowboys. No, this is going to be what are the biggest topics in sports on a daily basis. Um, Almost like reading your sports paper for you, Um, and then national sports paper for you, not your local. So, and it's only going to be 20 minutes. It's just going to be, here's your fix on what's going on, my opinions. I'm going to give some tips. I am going to have some gambling stuff in there. Um, I'm not going to be giving away picks and just being like, oh, you should totally bet this team. I'm not going to do that because I know how social media gambling works. The second you say, oh, I love this team, this is a lock, and it loses, you get a bunch of yahoos yelling at you and telling you you're an idiot. No, I don't need that. I don't need any. Really, I need any back and forth. This is just my stuff. And if I happen to say something negative about your team, you don't need to email me and say, well, what about this? And what about this? Like, it's this isn't like a debate show. I'm not trying to ruffle Fez. It's just my opinions. I've watched sports since I was three years old. My dad would read me the box scores in the morning before I went to school. Like, I am a sports nut. Sports play a bigger role in my life, way bigger role in my life, and I spend way more time talking about sports listening to sports listening to podcasts about sports then I do the bachelor like it's not even close yet the bachelor has always been my full-time job and uh you know for the last at least 12 13 years now I've been incorporated and with reality Steve LLC and um, I've always thought well if sports are the biggest part of my life I got to do something in that field and I decided you know what I'm going to do this. I want to do this. And is it going to be a lot of work for me? Yeah. I mean, doesn't nothing changes for you? Everything stays the same. I'm just adding this podcast to have some fun. It's a passion project of mine. Um, obviously, time is money. There will be some programmatic ads in there, and you know, then hopefully, as the show builds, you know, who knows what it can become? I don't know. I won't know until it starts. I didn't think my Thursday podcast would be around six years later when I started it in December of 2016. I didn't think I'd be doing this six years later. I had no idea what the what it entailed, but it's been you guys that have been listening. Not every single podcast. You haven't listened to all three nineteen. Maybe some of you have, but uh, thank you if you have. I don't expect you to. Um, you pick and choose who you like, and you know when I started in twenty sixteen, there were way fewer bachelor related programming podcasts. Uh, way fewer. So yes, in the beginning, I was one of the ones at the forefront of it. Then everyone came after me with their own podcasts, and um, you can even look at the dates like I was i I know for a fact I was the only podcast out there that was interviewing former contestants on a weekly basis, and now everybody does it so I like to consider myself the pioneer in in, in that field, however, I know you have other options out there, and I'm fine with that, and I've never told you not to listen to somebody's podcast. I've just told you sometimes, hey, you might want to listen with this kind of slanted view towards it because of this factor, this factor, and this factor. So, um, but I've always wanted to talk sports. It's why I've added it to my daily roundup. Usually at the end, I usually spend anywhere between two and five minutes uh, on certain days talking sports. I'm just like, I could easily do 20 minutes on sports a day. So I'm going to do it. It's called the sports daily. And with reality, Steve, it's going to start hopefully on Monday and it's going to be its own separate feed. So when I announce it and I put it on my Twitter and I put it on my Instagram story, you will see the new link to it. And, and then I'll obviously tell you to subscribe to it. So it'll be in your in your feed every, it's just a new show to add to your podcast feed. That's all it is. So you don't have to do any work on your end other than once I do release it, hit subscribe. That's all I ask you to do. And then I ask you to listen and, um, and enjoy it. And just, you know, this is, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, I'm going to have now 11 podcasts a week, uh, five daily roundups, five daily um, sports podcasts, and one Thursday podcast, interview podcast that I've been doing. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, um, and I'm telling you right now, I absolutely will screw up the name. I know I'll call it the Sports Daily <laughs> numerous times, um, But and I was debating whether or not to call it the Sports Daily, um, but... I, oh, wait, it is the Sports Daily. <laughs> I keep calling, see, I've already screwed it up. It's the Sports Daily with Reality Steve. Yeah, see, because I was debating. Do I call it the Sports Daily or the Daily Sports? No, it's the Sports Daily and with Reality Steve. I can't believe I just screwed it up. I told you, I was, I was telling you I was going to screw it up in the future, and I already screwed it up, so... The Sports Daily with Reality Steve, hopefully it starts on Monday. I'll keep you updated on that. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. And if you're not, that's fine. I totally get it. It's not for my Bachelor audience, but I know there are people out there that would be interested in it. And it's, like I said, passion project of mine. I want to do it. I want to talk sports every day um, because it's such a major part of my life. It feels weird that I haven't monetized that for the last 12 years and I've only done bachelor stuff. So now I have a chance to do it and I'm going to release that as soon as possible. You know that this podcast for the month of December has a title sponsor and it's brought to you by Danette may and mindful health LLC featuring Danette may's top superfood product from her earth echo foods line. The cacao bliss, nothing feels better than be able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate knowing you are doing something good for your body. You can fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. For the last eight years, they have been the leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. That is Earth Echo Foods, Danette May, and Mindful Health, LLC. Like I've been saying all month, it's not processed chocolate. You can get the incredible incredible benefits of chocolate the taste of it and you don't have to worry about side effects of added sugars and artificial ingredients earth echo is offering you listeners up to 15% off your order by going to shop.earthechofoods.com slash realitysteve and using the promo code Reality Steve, You're not going to remember that URL. That's fine. Just go to the episode description wherever you listen to your podcasts. Click on Earth Echo Foods. It'll bring you right to that landing page. Buy whatever you want. You can check out, like I said, the Cacao Superfood Blend. You can check out the Island Bliss, the Chai Bliss, the Golden Superfood Bliss, whatever you want. Get on that page. Order what you want. And then at checkout, type in the promo code reality steve all right let's get going podcast number 319 okay let's bring him on uh he is a stand-up comedian and a bachelor recapper on youtube you can check out all his work on the dave Neal youtube channel and now a new daily podcast called the bachelor rush hour with dave Neal that you can listen to on uh, any of your podcast platforms uh can you guess who my guest is yeah uh, it's dave neil dave thanks for coming on
1: Happy holidays! How are
0: you? Good. How are you?
1: Doing well.
0: I think I think you might just be canceled because you said Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. So uh, you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's whatever people want it to be. Uh, I am I am Switzerland with my PC correctness. <laughs>
0: um, you know, today is three months to the day I last had you on. You were on September 29th. Was your last appearance? This will be posted on December 29th. Last show of the calendar year. Fascinating stuff, I tell you. Uh, wow, you know, it if, yeah, it,
1: it it kind of felt like we were due for another chat. We're like, uh, we're like old people that get lunch at McDonald's every day. You know, we're like, we got to get our time in.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like I said last time when we had our um on the September 29th podcast, where I said, look, the amount of voice messages that Dave and I send to each other during the course of a day or or even a week possibly could fill its own show. Um, although. Maybe some don't need to be out there uh, publicly, the things that uh, we have shared. But um, anyway, since we last spoke, I want to talk to you first. Obviously, a big moment went down in your life. You got married. So I want you to talk about kind of how it all went down. Did everything go as planned? Were there any last-minute snafus? How did the wedding go?
1: The, thanks for asking. The wedding was great, and by the way, my wife's next to me, uh, so I have to make sure that I give p- perfect reviews. But <laughs> yeah. it was. They always tell you that something's going to go wrong, something's going to mess up. It re, like, there's always a nightmare situation. Not one. Everyone was happy, healthy. It was, um, you know, you see these weddings, you know, these you know weddings and proposals on ba- on Bachelor, and it's like people that knew each other for two weeks. They don't know what they're going to get. This was the most sure bet thing. We both like were so chill and relaxed for the most part that it was such a fun experience. Um, I don't feel like I was so nervous, I don't remember anything. We were like heightened heightenly aware of everything that went down and it was so much fun.
0: Well I was gonna ask, and it sounds like you pretty much already answered the question, but I was gonna ask, like, now that it's over, when you look back, is there anything that you and Tasha stressed over and now you think, eh? didn't end up being that big of a deal or on the flip side something that you maybe you didn't pay as much attention to but are now like oh knowing what we know now maybe we should have put more thought into it was there anything
1: i was i'll I'll say this i my fiance at the time i was surprised she wasn't going crazier at certain things like things that just weren't prepared until the last minute and she was like oddly calm and i was like oh this is like it almost freaked me out how calm she was so i was like i guess i'm calm now um there was no, like everything from the florals, every, everyone was so professional that we, I mean, maybe we just got lucky though. There, there was a storm the morning of the wedding. It cleared up perfectly at the, I mean, everything just like was phenomenal that I guess, yeah, like I guess part of it's luck and part of it's maybe we just put out a lot of fires beforehand, but you know, it just, the, the one thing is that they get, when, when the resort and when everyone knows there's a wedding they just get you in every direction you just start giving money away to people like you don't even like random people are like i'm gonna need 400 dollars for that you just give it to them you don't even know what it's for anymore it doesn't matter it's like you're just you're like a date you know it's like the the final 24 hours is where they like just rob you blind when you think you're done spending money but you know it's a one-time thing
0: yeah so tasha wasn't a bridezilla basically is what you're saying that's good
1: not a, not a bridezilla. We, I mean, honestly, she'll she'll put more effort and energy into Yelping where we're gonna go for dinner. But we had, I think, a lot of issues that people have is like multi, not multi goal syndrome, but like multi too many too many options. So once we like nail down the the chairs, I mean, because they really do give you an option for everything. We never. Uh, you know uh, we we didn't spend days finding the DJ it was like we found a guy that was an awesome wedding planner and we took all of his recommendations on everything and they all paid off so I think if if there's any advice for anybody planning a wedding let the pros do what the pros do and trust them and everything that was supposed to work out kind of fell into place
0: and as we know uh, you do a lot of stand-up work, and you've done some in other cities. You're looking to do some more in other cities, as you posted on Instagram today. Um, have you obviously comedians are always freshening up their material, adding new content. Have you added the whole "now I'm married" and and wedding day stuff? Have you added any of that material to your stand-up act?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've I've explored a lot, but you know, comedy comes from pain. And it, there, there, there was like, what am yeah. I? Yeah, there was like, uh, like there's nothing worse than getting on stage and being like, Hey folks, I'm in love. Things are great. They're like, "Yeah, shut up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I had, Oh, you know what? I had a little bit about my dad because he like can't sit still. So it was funny to see him at a resort because like he has to like go get fresh towels for somebody or he has to like do things because he's just from that generation that doesn't know how to take a break. So it was kind of fun to see his like white calf muscles, You know, just like like sit by a pool. But honestly, I don't even think I saw him in the water once. You know, but you know he did he did uh had as much fun as he was gonna have. I'm just I'm sure like he just you know wasn't he's not the type to have a a mai tai and float around in the pool floaty.
0: And in talking about your stand up, I know you had mentioned and you know we talked about. You said you wanted to get to different cities this year. You mentioned this on your on your Instagram story today that you're looking to kind of branch out and get to cities. For those that don't know how it works, for someone um, that has done stand-up comedy for as long as you have and, you know, you're looking to get... Because the biggest thing about stand-up comedy is, especially in the early going and even, even you who are years in, is just stage time. And not everybody gets it to you. Like, you can call up a club and be like, hey, I'd like to perform there. I'm in town. I'd like to perform there. And they can tell you no, right? Is it basically just you have to send them... I don't know a five second, a five minute set, a ten minute set, and then they determine whether they want you. How exactly does it work when you go to these other cities?
1: Well, when you're when the most ideal level to be at is in control of your audience and not needing a comedy club, because then you could literally do tours of VFF VFWs. Like, who cares? You know, like there's plenty of clubs where comics got canceled or blacklisted, and they just rent it out. You know, their own little brewery like I did um, when I did Newport, Rhode Island, I did a show at a brewery that because my buddy was taping his special at the only comedy club in town. So I did a brewery show. We sold it out. I got to keep 85 percent of the door, which is usually how it works. Um, When you bring the audience, you get like a hefty percent of the door. They're happy to sell drink tickets. So. The best place you can be is like the Louis C.K. full mailing list with his audience. I mean, he literally was going to perform in Kiev when the war broke out. He can perform anywhere in the world because he's got the audience. So that's that. And I'm not there, but I can definitely, you know, like, if you know, I can go to a like when I went to New York. I probably had a couple dozen people come out to the shows, which is great. I mean, it's definitely great to have that support. Um, in in the cities, it's always harder to break in because usually comedy clubs will have like 100 comics that are in their roster that they can't get spots for. Like when I did this show in New York, the next, the next show that night had like legends on it. I mean, it had like, you, you're competing against the literal like stage time against like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr and all these comics because they're also performing on those stages when they're in town. Um, so if you go to like, random cities like, like, um, for Thanksgiving, I did a show in, at go bananas uh, outside of Cincinnati and we had a couple audience members show up, but you know, there's 20 other comics on the lineup, all pretty good. Like local guys, the scene is just like so blown up. So, um, how it used to be was you would just like spend years trying to get into one comedy club and then you would just work that. And now like this post pandemic sort of TikTok famous, like comedian world, you can just like find, anywhere that'll that that'll have you sell your own tickets and then and then that's that so it's a combination of both yeah. And if i'm in like a, if i'm in a town like if i'm in Asheville, i might not want to produce my own show i might just want to do a um, a spot where they might pay me 10 bucks and i can just get to know the booker and make connections you know so there's no science to it but the comedy clubs can tell in about five seconds whether or not you're like legit and I could send them a YouTube video, but chances are they're just going to look at my social media, see a couple jokes, high quality video, has an audience, um, you know, 100 friends in common, knows well known comedians. So it's very much like who you know. And you can't just like pay somebody to like get you spots. It's all like old school, like trade.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been a fan of stand up comedy ever since I was a kid. I've watched so many specials over the years, whether it was growing up and watching Rodney Dangerfield's HBO special every year. Or George Carlin's once a year special on HBO. I mean, I used to literally wear out the, those tapes just watching over and over and over again. And not really because I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I just liked watching it. I don't know. It's really weird. You would think somebody that did that would be like, I want to hone my craft and I want to learn it. I just never had any interest in being a stand-up comedian. But I used to watch those shows and I can recite sets from 1985 for Ronnie Dangerfield's um, specials that were on HBO. Still to this day... And it's just crazy how comedy has changed because, like you said, it's all social media. Like, there's social media comics. I mean, Sebastian Maniscalco is – I believe he's the number one – I mean, it might be my number one grocer. Maybe. He's in the top five of, of top-selling tours. And I feel like he's a social media comic. Like, I just started seeing that guy everywhere on Facebook. And I think it was mostly Facebook clips. And I'm like, who is this guy? I've never seen him on TV before. But I always yeah. see his clips on Facebook and and now he's literally one of the top five touring comedians in all of America. And it just wasn't that way back in the day. You had to get on TV somehow. Well, yeah, you find
1: niche you, you find comedians like will land in a niche. Like he never asked to be an Italian guy from Chicago, but he brings he gets all these Italian families to come to his shows because his is really family based and like italian so you just like see these like fluffy gets the mexican market you just see like these comedians able to build their fan base and not need hollywood but you know when you said you had no desire to do stand-up you're you are like super stand-up adjacent with your podcasting. that that like you probably just never i mean most people that get into stand-up it's like out of desperation it's like you know it's like like you try every other form of um i don't know therapy really like uh you know did improv did uh, did all the sketch comedy did acting and then you get up on stage and you go oh i can just shoot the shit i can just just rant about my own issues and you got to formulate them into like jokes and learn how to communicate uh you know because a lot of times i'll ramble or you know the audience won't really understand the premise you have to kind of like spend years finding the best way to to um to communicate a punchline, you know, um, Kira, uh, M- Stew, Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. She just made, made that TikTok video kind of making fun of Romeo. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, she's super funny. And I was like, Oh no, I get, I mean, I get the attempt at humor, but like she was kind of redundant. She was like, I don't find Romeo funny. And that's why I don't find him funny. She like repeated the same thing twice. And I, and I was just like dissecting the um, efficiency of words there. The, you know, the, uh, the economy of words where I was like, Oh, it's, it, it, it's like weakened the punchline. And you can see like with Katie getting into stand up, she's learning that if you can say something in five words versus 20 words, five words is always funnier because, because you're getting, you want to get to the root. Like, it's almost like lightning wants to just find ground. And as a comic you want to find the fastest and quickest way to get to a joke and it takes years to like realize that because our brains are like we a lot of people think as like bloggers and we like recite these long thought out thoughts and it's like that's not how conversation works and you have to like unlearn a lot of bad habits.
0: I had this conversation once with somebody a friend of mine and it was just it was like a it was, it was like something that you would have is it is the type of conversation you would have if you were completely stoned one night and my whole premise and I wasn't stoned at all because I don't smoke out or any of that stuff but my whole premise was why do people find other comedians funny like because comedy is so subjective somebody you know the let's take the top comedians, Sebastian Maniscalco or Jerry Seinfeld and you know like you guys some of the guys you mentioned Bill Burr um why are they the top comedians? Why are they so funny? You can be like, well, their content is great. Well, I mean, I guess, but some people probably don't think Bill Burr's funny at all, and Jerry Seinfeld isn't funny at all, and thinks he's, you know, think his jokes are are too old, and um, and somebody th- might think that Sebastian Maniscalco's physical humor isn't funny at all. But it's just like, why are they so popular? And I don't think there's really an answer to it. It's just they kind of are. It's just they are because look who shows up at their shows. They can sell out. Uh, arenas not just comedy clubs so i don't know do you have a do you have an answer for why some people are just liked better than others why there's an established pecking order of best stand-up comedians whether it's chris rock jerry seinfeld louis ck uh bill burr you know just going down the list why are they good why is why is nikki glazer one of the top female comedians out there why why I, I don't know. Well, it
1: it really like in simplicity comes down to time in the game. Like they're all 25 year vets. Nikki's at least 18 years in. Yeah. You're like way way past the point of of like excellence. There, they were all. A lot of them were really good starting, but not everyone like. Bill Burr was really misunderstood. He was really angry for a long time. Yeah. And he's, he still is, but he's sort of just like – it's like he's got a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, but he knows when to use it. He's not throwing it on every pitch. He's not – he's laughing when he knows he has to disarm an audience. But like Louis C.K., he's so good at being offensive and coming off likable because he's so um, harmless in a lot of ways. Like he's not aggressive on stage. He just has these terrible thoughts. But – it just goes to show that a lot of comics can get laughs because they're saying things that people have only thought before. And there's hacky comedy. Like there's a million ways to get an audience to laugh. That's hacky. And I think comics generally sniff that out, but you didn't name one hacky comic. I mean, each one of those comics does a whole new hour every year or two. They don't, they're all filthy rich other than Nikki. The rest of them don't have to prove themselves anyway. Like they're all made it, but they, what, what they possess is like, that that muscle that can't turn it off like bill burr doesn't need it they're all able to sell out matt i mean i think everyone you mentioned has sold out madison square garden and all they need is to sell 50 seats a night anywhere in the world to like break even you know so it's like they're they're just examples of time in the game and 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 applying their excellence to new topics and I, i guess the, the thing that keeps them from like a road dog, like hack comic is that they're willing to bomb. You hear it all the time about Chris Rock bombing at local shows, trying new material, all of them. I've heard so many bomb stories from all of them. And it's like, you're not going to see that in the finished product, but they're not afraid to do it still. Like, did you know that Chris Rock in March is going to do a live Netflix special? That's freaking nuts. He's going to air it live. Like, you just never hear that.
0: No, you don't see that unless it – well, no. No, you don't really see that. And now, granted, he's probably done that set quite a few times, so it's no different than actually going to his show and watching it. You're just going to see it happen live. But it's not like he's going to screw up or forget lines, you wouldn't think. Um, But, yeah, it it is interesting, and I just find it fascinating the way people have been able to sell themselves. And, you know, when I flip through my TikTok for you page – There's so many stand-up clips in there, and I'm just seeing people that I've never seen before that I think, wow, they're pretty funny. I wonder if they're going to get a special. And now you have these self-produced specials that people do um, that you can just create your own. And I I think that's fascinating because of the way comedy used to be. It was almost like who you knew, and you had to catch a break. Now you can create your own break in comedy by putting out your own stuff.
1: The gatekeeping was so ridiculous. I mean, we basically watched in the last three years Comedy Central completely die. It, it has come, like, you have Mark Norman, who's one of the funniest working comedians. Yeah. He just sold out the Wilbur Theater four shows in a weekend, which is a theater in Boston, that's a hundred thousand dollars he made. And he couldn't get a comedy central special or a Netflix special. And he just said, you know what? I'm going to put my content on YouTube. Probably made 20, 30 grand on his YouTube on his, um, you know, comedy special. But now he gets to make money long term. And, and what you see is like if a comic isn't ready to tour nationally, but they get famous, people are going to come to their show once and never recommend it again because there's no way to like lie about if the show was funny or not either either the collective bought it or they didn't and good comics get to work it out long enough that when they do pop they're they're able to like you know uh use whatever tools they can to to get the audience to laugh because like you said like like chris rock's gonna have a good audience but every audience is different and a lot of comics will spend will, will tape their special over five or six sets and some comics will, will, like, tape it two sets. In the first set, the audience kind of sucked. And everything's riding on them getting getting the shot, the second set. And it can actually be, like, a really pressure situation. Huh. Um, even, even with a big audience like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to be curious to watch, uh, to watch his Netflix special. Because, number one, it's going to be something different. Like you said, it's going to be live. And, number two, this is going to be his first new special since the Oscar incident. And, clearly, I would think he's going to do a bit on that i would think he's going to do a five to ten minute set joking about what happened at the oscars with will smith i I gotta believe and people are going to tune in because i know he's been trying it out locally and i know he's been trying it out in stuff that hasn't aired so um yeah i'd be curious to see what he says all right um let's uh let's turn our attention to bachelor world that was good 20 minutes on stand-up stuff i didn't want to spend all of our time talking about bachelor stuff Something that's interested me and I find it fascinating, even though I've only I've never listened to a full episode. I have seen all of his clips that come across my either Instagram reels or my for you page on TikTok. Is and I'm really fascinated by it. And I think he's doing something that is just not being done by many people at all, and you've covered it a lot on your YouTube show, is Jason Tardix. Show where he's basically getting people to tell us how much they make, and while I would never go that route, I have no problem with him if that's what he wants to do with his, uh, with his channel and his, um, and his platform. By all means, go ahead and do it. I just, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable saying how much I made in twenty twenty two and what I made off this and what I made off that. But it's not, it's nothing negative against Jason because I think it is fascinating to what he's doing and. And having no problem. I know there's this stigma against talking about how much money you make, and he's kind of taking that stigma away by doing this. You cover his show, and you've covered clips of his stuff more than I have. What have you gained by listening to some of his uh, content that he's done with some of the guests that he's had?
1: Yeah, so so he basically made it he, He kind of had to reveal his salary in order to get other people to talk about it, and yeah, he made over a million dollars on his social media this year. It's just insane. What's funny is, like, I'm sure Caitlin Bristow did five times that. Easy. Maybe ten, if you had factor in her wine sales and everything. So, look, she's at the level where it won't help her brands to, to talk about it. But he's at the level where, I mean, it's if you're going to be a finance guy and go that angle, you kind of have to talk about it. Um, I I started talking about it last year, but I, I've seen how weird some people get when – because we live in a time when there's a huge wealth um, inequality out there. And a lot of people like I saw after I reported on Jason Tardik making 1.1 $1. $1 million, someone goes, I just wish he made less and teachers made more. And I'm like, look, that's just not the compare. Like, yeah. be mad at billionaires for not paying a cent in taxes, have a sensible tax code. But a lot of these influencers, they're they're just making they're you know, they're They've built a following. Now you've now you've got bachelor alumni. If they don't provide information outside of any trade secrets that they share, like once they're done with their tell all, if they don't transition into providing information for their audience, they will fade into oblivion. Jason took what he knew, which is finance, and applied it to, you know, to the bachelor world to start. But he's entering a broader a broader world of influencers so i think it's really smart i can't believe he's not he doesn't have youtube as one of his revenue streams he's making all that money from like tiktok book sales he doesn't have a patreon um but it just goes to show there's so many different ways to connect with an audience that he's already at this crazy high level and he's not even maximizing some of the bigger platforms
0: yeah it seems like and obviously his podcast as well he's obviously making money off his podcast did he break it down on how much he made on his podcast I didn't hear that in this year's
1: episode, but I know it. Like, unlike Joe Rogan, who's got 100% ownership. Like Joe Rogan owns his podcast and he licenses it to Spotify for 100 million dollars. When that's done, he'll have his own catalog. Jason, I believe, has like a 70-30 split with whoever his podcast company was. Yeah, and like the, and I'm sure you have 100%. Like you're 100% ownership over like Reality Steve, right?
0: Am I? I, I mean, I. I my ads no my ads are 70 30 i get 70 and the um i use simplecast and they take 30% so no yeah I, but that's
1: just the, but that's just the ad sales yeah, if you take yeah. like if someone's like i want to buy your podcast for 10 million dollars you don't have so, like an angel investor who owns half of it or something no no like, yeah that's, no, correct. like a lot yeah a lot of these networks the, like, that's why it's such a bad deal to go on bachelor happy hour or, you know, talking it out. Now that talking it out's canceled. What does, and I actually liked Mike Johnson and, um and uh, what's his face, uh, Brian, but like, what do they have to show from it? Did they build any following? Did like, it's almost like those bachelor corporate podcasts are just such a bad deal for the talent because you don't get much out of it when your contract's over. So you have people that have figured it out. Like Jason Tartik, took a chance on himself and turned down probably a six figure podcast deal by the producers. And because of that can make so much more money. So I think, I think the, the salary transparency just goes to show how, how royally stiffed people are getting, like you're like, you're the perfect example of somebody who was able to do it all on your own, not have a boss. And you're probably able to make way more money than if you worked for some, you know, corporation, because you've built this, equity and like no one can take that from you as we've talked about in the past. Like no, no, like 15 people that don't like you can't call some network and get you fired. You've, you've like, you've differentiated your revenue streams enough to like to take care of yourself, which is important because whether you're on the right side or the wrong side of an issue, you want to be able to share your opinion and you want to be able to um, be authentic and you can't always do that when you're working for somebody else.
0: Yeah. And look, I mean, it kind of is what's kept me going and it's kind of what uh, that, keep, that that keeps driving me is the fear of having to go back into the corporate world and working yeah. for somebody else. Like I, I've been doing my own thing since when I incorporated myself, Reality Steve, I incorporated myself in 2011. We're coming up on year 12 of or year 13 now of me being self-employed and I don't even know what it would be like to answer to somebody else. To have to drive somewhere in the morning to go and sit in an office, like it it scares me, and it's what is driving me to continue to do what I'm doing because it's so freeing and to have that uh, just freedom of man, just get up, do what I want when I want, and not have to answer to anybody, and you know, get paid good money to do it because because you have built a following, and your following means. You know, people want to listen to what you have to say. People want to read what you have to write. And that, in turn, you know, equals revenue based on uh, downloads and clicks and stuff like that. And if advertisers want to, you know, spend up front with you and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's really it's 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 the biggest fear. And it's what keeps me going is to not get back into corporate America, because it's just I understand what people say when they say, oh, my God, teachers make 60 grand a year and an influencer that's selling flat tummy tea is making you know six figures. It's like, but you're comparing apples to oranges. I, I Yes, we all agree teachers should make more money, but we have no say in that. And if I, 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 I don't understand it, there's so many more opportunities out there to make money for somebody who's. You don't even talk about teachers, just if you hate your job and you're in a dead end job and you hate going to work every day, there are ways to get out and do your own thing, but it's not going to happen overnight. And I think that's why the fan base of this show kind of sours on the contestants, because it literally happened overnight. And with the exception of a few, it's not like they have much of a talent. They have an audience because a casting department picked them to go on a popular show. And then afterwards, they got a bunch of brand deals because they lasted until three or four, built up an audience, and they can sell stuff based on their followership. So I get it to where the fan base doesn't necessarily think they have a talent, and some don't. Some are just, some just have a lot of following because they made it to Final Four on The Bachelor, or they made it to Final F- Two on Bachelorette, whatever the case may be. But some of yeah, branched, and, some have branched out and done other things, like the Jasons, like uh, the Hannah Ann's, who's gotten completely away and is doing cooking stuff. There are others, but for the most part, these people aren't, aren't famous for anything other than going on a popular reality show.
1: Yeah, they got a head start, and they took a risk by going on the show, and they got a head start, and that's all it that gets you. But you have people like Victoria Fuller, who, hey, for all the way she causes drama, she she has incredible amounts of traffic to her social media, and she puts and she knows how to wear great fashion and i'm sure she makes a ton from affiliate sales and, and and things like that so information entertainment some people like jason are like way heavier on the information aspect of what makes someone valuable and then some people are just like fun to watch and you know but like it, as much as as much as it pains people to say that people like nick vile actually the, the, like i say a broken clock's right twice a day he gives good information i mean he, he generates traffic Got, Caitlin Bristow generates traffic. These people have found a way to go do something with their following. Now, they both had their following like the height of Instagram. But even like Rachel Recchia is is putting big numbers together on TikTok. And Susie, huge on TikTok and Instagram. So there's there's a way to make it happen. But it's not. there's no entitlement to that following staying with you once your season's over. And it's like join the rest of the club where – the rest of us you know people online have to find a way to stand out from from others because like you're not the only one in the game there's a million people who try to do what you do you're just the best at it like you you're out there and your name has that stock because you provide season in and season out and if everyone could do that then they would but they can't so the the competition's for sure there um it's just like the algorithms have a way of pushing you know right the cream rises to the top
0: yeah, I mean, I've said it for years that anybody could do what I do, and they've had the ability to. It's just, yeah, in recent years have there been more Instagram uh, accounts that have popped up that uh, have, have posted stuff here and there? For sure. And, but it's never taken away from me. That's why I don't care what they do unless I post something and then they you know, claim it as their own. That's when I'll be like, hey, that's, that's wrong. But the Instagram accounts only add to what I do. Because it only draws attention because I don't know if you've noticed when an Instagram account does post some sort of spoiler, the reaction that I seem to get is, hey, they posted this. Is it true? So people are still, you know, coming to me, asking me, which means that they kind of know where their bread is buttered when it comes to spoilers, because it's one thing to have one spoiler here and there or whatever, but you kind of have to build up a track record like like I have done for 13 years. And this is not some ego stroke here. I'm just I'm just speaking facts. I mean, this is the way it is. I've been spoiling for 12 years now. If someone posts a spoiler last season for the first time, it's like, okay, and you, if you get it right, great. But you kind of have to do that season in and season out to where it becomes, oh, we don't even care if Reality Steve confirms it or not. This person is always right. And it's just, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point with someone else where they are constantly right. Season in and season out, they have everything right. Because... The Instagram accounts that have posted stuff right, they are way more wrong than they are right, which is why, I've, as I said, it doesn't affect me at all because I know they're still posting wrong information. Unless they want to bat a hundred, it's just not going to happen, and it's not. Yeah, good, you're
1: right. You know, your batting average is extremely high, and people get so bent out of shape when they want to be haters because I'm like, look, find me someone in Bachelor Nation that's got a that's got a higher level of integrity right now with their reporting i know there's plenty of stories you can't mention here that you have but you just don't have the second source or you don't have or someone doesn't want to go on record like they don't they don't even know what they don't know that that's out there that like i have the liberty of like knowing because we sort of bounce things off of each other and um and i want nothing to do with that that stress out there when you you know of like breaking stories is nerve-wracking i never got into this commentary because i wanted to do that but yeah there's people that like you know they'll they'll take big swings and misses and maybe they don't have as much credibility but you know there's there's this place at the table for everybody and um and no like so how this is your first year doing your podcast every day how has yeah. that been you know looking back on this year
0: yeah no it's been i started july 11th so in a couple weeks i'll be six months in um you know, financially it has been basically a third income. I mean, I make I make an income off of what my website brings in. I make an income of what my Thursday podcast, my weekly podcast brings in. And now I make an income off of um, this podcast, the daily podcast. Uh, that's a third income. And then starting next week, I'm going to do a sports, I'm going to do a daily sports podcast, completely separate. It's not going to have any pop culture or bachelor stuff in it, but my background is sports talk radio. It's all I wanted to do when I was in college, got into it right out of college. Didn't like the fact that, you know, working for other people working for it, kind of had to have a big name. Former athletes are going to get hired over somebody who may know more. And, you know, I was out of that industry, but sports are the biggest part of my life. Uh, I grew up on it. I watch it every weekend. I watch it daily. And I was adding them to to the end of my daily roundups. And now I was just like, you know what? I can do 15 to 20-minute podcasts at a, at a second podcast, or technically a third, but a second daily podcast. So starting next Monday, hopefully, uh, i got to get all the artwork and music done and all that. But um, I'm going to start... Um, uh, the Sports Daily with Reality Steve, where I just talk sports for twenty minutes, and it's going to be a, oh, congrats! <laughs> it's going to be a separate feed, and yeah, uh, I'm going to promote it. And it's not going to get the you know, it's not like I'm taking my bachelor audience and saying, hey, here's another show from me you can listen to because I think the carryover might be, and I I don't even know if I'll have any way to figure out the exact percentage, but I don't think it's going to be more than twenty percent of my current audience that that goes over and listens to a sports mm-hmm. podcast, considering. 95% of my podcast audience are female, um, maybe 25 I don't know. But I know that there is an audience for it, and it's also more of a passion project for me. This isn't something that I'm going to retire off of. It's just something I want to do, and I know, you know, as we know, time is money, and I'll throw some programmatic ads in there and you know, make a little extra money, but it's not more about money. It's more of a passion project for me. It's something that now... Again, I don't have to answer to anybody. It's a podcast. I can say whatever the hell I want. I'm not gar- guarded by FCC regulations. I mean, this is what I've always kind of wanted to do, and now I can. And that, uh, so I'm going to start that next week. I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be fun.
1: Uh, congr- congrats! I think that's so great. And when you say passion project, those are the things that take off anyway. Like obviously you had a passion for talking about bachelor yeah. because you've done it for so long. And, and, and I as well, because it's, I love human dynamics and stuff, but it's not the be all end all. And the, the niche is a big one, but it does have a ceiling. I think that's great. Um, yeah. I've considered when I, when I finally get like a bigger studio, like a barn or something, I'm going to do like a sit down uh, podcast. That's more about like hustle culture with, with regards to like not Jason Tartix where he talks finance, But more like the motivational side of why people uh, are entrepreneurs and why they do what they do, you know, kind of like that blueprint for for like discovering yourself, because I always feel like whenever I talk about that, and as we're talking now about like our own, the, the business side of things, we're really talking about passions that we have. And there's so many people out there that have a passion that don't realize they can go direct to their audience. Like when you talk about teachers not making enough money, it's like, look, if you're a teacher and you teach history, start doing that on TikTok. TikToks in like short, short form content is a great way to share information. Like there's endless ways that people can find their passion and share it with an audience. And with the boost that you'll get from the bachelor crossover audience that follows you to sports, that'll be gr- that'll be a great way to push you into a new podcast category and. Who knows? It could be ten times your size.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how it goes. It's, you know, I'm gonna start it. Hopefully next Monday, it's gonna be a daily. Same thing, twenty minutes maybe on the biggest sports topics of the day. It's basically like it, it's if I were to have a daily radio show on a radio station, it would basically be what my open would be. What my first fifteen to twenty minutes would be setting up the show and basically just not taking callers and not going as in depth on the things, but just talking about the major things going on in sports and. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it and you know, that'll start. The sports daily will start uh hopefully on uh on Monday, at, uh you know, January second, start the new year and add a second show. Like for me it's just it's just more work for me. It has doesn't change anything with the Bachelor. Still gonna have the daily roundup still, you know, we're four weeks away or five weeks away from um four and a half from Zach's season starting. We're in a downtime right now. We've got barrel scraping Dave going at it. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, there's just not a lot going on. We're like, Hey, what did, what did someone put on their Instagram story today? you know, that's, that's what we're doing because it's not filming and it's not airing. So yeah, there's not <clears throat> a whole hell of a lot going on right now. However, yeah. you, you brought something up, which was kind of funny. You were talking about breaking stories and you're like, yeah, I just, it's just too stressful to break stories. However, you say one thing that's even remotely breaking and people are talking about it and it happened a couple weeks ago with you which was you went to this party um in San Diego right uh, the uh, the party oh, for Dr. Lo- Lovegrove oh, right
1: Los, Los Angeles
0: Oh it was in it was in LA okay and yeah. and and during this party you kind of just mentioned hey i heard somebody from this franchise possibly being sued for $500,000 and then all of a sudden it turned into Oh my gosh! We got to find out who it is, Dave. Who is it? Is it Katie? Because you know her. Is all this stuff? And it turns in, and you weren't even thinking like, oh, oh, I didn't. You know, it's like it turns into such a big deal because that is a big deal. And obviously, you're not going to reveal the name, and I'm not going to reveal the name, and we don't even know if it's true. Um, Based on the name that we know was brought up, um, it seems like an exorbitant amount five hundred thousand seems like a lot because we don't know any details. It's just something that you heard but just something like that throwing it out there just turns into a such a big deal and it's like it just shows how careful we have to be when we say anything about anyone from this franchise
1: yeah you know what's funny is someone told me like today someone someone was like who's getting sued for 5 million and i responded to that not realizing they had jacked the number up so now the now the rumor is 5 million dollars <laughs> um
0: it, yeah the the 500,000 is was the number you heard not 5 million just to be
1: clear yeah And my, my guess is the, what is it? Loose lips sink ships. My guess, the person who told me that who is very close to the, the subject is that they were trying, they were drunk and they were trying to like show off to me because I'm sure you get this. Like I go to this party, I do not really mingle with many bachelor people. And when my wife and I showed up, we had, I mean, we had a lot of people coming up to us that we were surprised knew who we were that were contestants and things like that. And, uh, and somebody that was there had mentioned this. And um, I don't know, maybe I I, I think I'm going to leak it. Not not the full info, but I'll give some hints on my podcast, Bachelor Rush Hour. But it's not. I think if they were actually being sued, like it would be somewhere in public record. And I don't think it's public record. So my guess is that it's just been threats of lawsuits. But um, they pretty much threaten everybody. They've threatened Tammy with lawsuits. They send cease and desist to just about everybody. Um, and yet this year... There's a lot of contestants or alumni that are saying a lot about the edit. And that was the one thing they were never allowed to talk about was the edit, like what was true or false. And I kind of feel like they're letting them ramble more. And maybe that's a good thing for the show. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the the mantra has always been anytime you do an interview, whether it's on a podcast or ABC lets you talk to E! Online or Us Weekly Entertainment Tonight – You can only talk about what was shown on the show, but we're getting way more stuff from contestants going on podcasts talking about, well, this is what was shown on the show, but here's what really happened. And we're getting that a lot. And I don't know if they are getting cease and desists after the fact and getting slap on the wrist saying, Hey, uh, you know, it's too late to do anything now. You've already put it out there, but don't say that in any future interviews. Or if it's just a, a favorites thing where it's like, well, it depends on who says it. If, Someone that they don't like and they don't care about comes out and says something like that and shares behind the scenes secrets like a Luke Parker did. We know they sued him, but there have been some contestants that have shared, I thought, just as much as what Luke Parker did, if not more. But they're fan favorites, and the show seems to like them, and nothing happens to them. So it's almost like you just kind of have to be on their good side, which then turns into why a lot of these contestants don't talk shit about the show and don't really go into what happens behind the scenes because they don't want to get on their bad side and possibly get sued.
1: Yeah. And it's, that's the, that's the problem with these, the fear of lawsuits is that it's just not a fair contract. It's not a fair contract when, when some nobody signs a two year or one year contract, and then they're able to just have their likeness edited a certain way. And then there's like, they can't go back to their normal jobs and then they can't get hired because, you know, they're they're looked at as a villain or something. And, you know, we say this every year that people aren't as bad as they edit. And even with, though with that said, on Zach's season, we're going to have a shanae like character that people are going to hate. And I'm going to say something like, hey, guys, I'm sure this person's not as bad. And then people are going to attach that hate on to me. And it's going to go down the list yep. because even though we rationally say, hey, you know, people are trying their best. They're edited a certain way. It's not as bad. Even with all that said, people want to believe that there's ultimate good and ultimate evil, and 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 when and then we finally look back and we see someone like Shanae who never really apologized for uh, some of the hateful things she said, but most people never explored why she acted the way she did. She she like most people felt defensive and like she was pit into a corner, and we saw on Bachelor in Paradise that she was virtually. Um, unproblematic other than maybe a little fight with logan or something here or there her and genevieve became friends she actually was friends with a lot of people and she kind of became a favorite of a lot of the alumni so do we believe what an edit said about somebody or do we believe a whole bunch of alumni to say oh yeah that person's actually not too bad
0: yeah and it's just it's a case-by-case basis there's not a universal answer for for these questions i want to i want to end it with this and it's kind of putting you on the spot and maybe should have given you a heads up. But anyway, it's not a huge thing. But off the top of your head, we're at the end of 2022. A lot has happened in the Bachelor world. Can you think of a story or a storyline from the year 2022? So that would include Clayton's season and uh, Rachel and Gabby's season and Bachelor in Paradise from this year. What do you think was the biggest story in 2022 in bachelor nation
1: well it's a good question and there's several but i think the hottest story was clayton being accused of having sex by the acute like by the lady not you know it's not like third-hand knowledge but the fact that she said i banged clayton last night and she said it <laughs> in a tiktok
0: oh that story i thought you were going about the shit okay okay that's fine no that's and a like good one.
1: and like and then we don't even and then he has to prove his whereabouts due to like through the GPS on his phone. What the hell was that? And then she gets the hot seat so bad, she kind of goes into hiding, has no idea what sort of trouble she was getting into, provide surveillance footage that clearly wasn't him. Yeah, it would. And then meanwhile, he's trying to make his relationship with Susie work out. She's at a wedding shooting as a wedding videographer people. And then the tension at the wedding comes to being like, oh, that's the girl whose boyfriend just bangs someone in New York. (laughs) Just that's the type of story that you could see play out like in a feature film, because so many things were happening across the country. And luckily, and what we get to take from it is that how lucky was he that he was able to prove where he was. If he lived in New York city, no no one would have believed him. Yeah, You know, people were, even when he said that people were like, well, he could have taken a red eye flight. And I'm like, are you guys insane?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is like, I was the one who spoke to her and I was the one that was basically like, no, uh, you know, Clayton, you know, Clayton put it out there, but there were going to be people that didn't like Clayton who weren't going to believe him. I was the one that spoke to her and interviewed her and said, give me all the details and realized, oh, by the way, it's not true. I saw the video footage. It, it you know, It's not Clayton because um, she showed it to me first. I've already forgotten her name. And I don't remember what her name was now. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's such a huge story. I, now I don't even remember who I spoke to. And I'd have to go back to uh. my phone, but totally forgot her name. I'd say that was, I, I you know what, that one completely was off my radar. I didn't even think about that one, but now that you mention it, that's easily top three. For me, I think Greg, Victoria, Johnny was the biggest story of the year. Like, I really do. And even it didn't even happen on the show, just like Clayton's didn't. It's almost like what happens off show is so much more interesting than what we get on a two-hour edited show every Monday night and in Paradise Case every Monday and Tuesday night. But I think the Victoria, Greg bombshell in Italy... That turned into, is it or is it them? And then it's like we get the first video where someone shows at the Roman Coliseum, but it's she just says it was them. And then we get a picture of them that you that you posted of them from a distance, but it's from behind. It's like, well, it could be them. And then I got the video of them at the Trevi Fountain. It's like, okay, it is them. Holy shit. What is going on? I, you know, to yeah, me, and I, biggest story I, of the year. I,
1: ne- I never get like, uh, first-hand info. So when somebody sent me that photo, I was like, well, clearly this has made the rounds and been debunked. And then I go, or maybe not. And, and my photo had no proof. Yours was like, hello. You had, and, and still some people didn't believe it. And then you had the subway photo. Yeah. But it's like that story, unlike others that involve exit, like, I mean, we are, there's so many stories this year, like Eric Schwerer's ex who called him out. Like there were so many exes calling people out this yeah. year that the fact that the Johnny story johnny victoria greg only involved the insulated bachelor folks and they still messed it up like the fact that they didn't wear um a, a kn95 mask just to hide their faces like there were so many preventable things they could have done so the naivete that they thought they could go to rome which is probably the most basic uh american travel location in europe the fact that they thought they could go there and flander the raider is just bananas
0: yeah, and I totally forgot. I mean, you had the Nate story. You had, um, you know, this Beth story with Aaron uh, recently. I, it just it seems like all the good stories in Bachelor Nation happen off air. Um, now, yeah. it did get brought on to air, you know, because they did question Nate about it at the at the men Tell all. And obviously, there's been podcasts done when Ashley and Ben had Aaron on. They had Genevieve on. I had Beth on, you know, I mean, but it just shows to show. The best part of this show seems to be what really does happen on social media, which is the stuff that you and I and and Game of Roses and she's all batch cover. And it's just like you can only talk so much about what we're seeing on Monday nights because it's basically the same fucking thing every season, just with a different cast. You know?
1: Yeah. the Yeah. The show provides a common denominator like now. Tell you about my crazy about them so the show provides that common denominator and then the real human condition comes from how they apologize about things how they release their statements when they're done playing the villain and all these different things the show doesn't cover that and that leaves room for us i mean yesterday on my on my podcast on the rush hour i covered ashley ashley i on almost famous just interviewed andrew spencer and justin glaze and she had this like brief one minute side convo where she said she didn't believe she didn't believe aaron Um, because she was one one of the only people that literally interviewed Genevieve and then got the information that you had about all the, you know, side ladies and this and that. And then she interviewed Aaron and then, and then the following episode, she's like, yeah, I didn't believe a word he said. And I'm like, this is so much more interesting to hear, to hear people call each other out than any love found on the show.
0: And I don't know why Ashley didn't mention it. I've mentioned it twice now. I mean, I think the reason Ashley doesn't believe Aaron is because the day before she interviewed Aaron. She spoke with Beth and she went down everything because she wanted to have all her ducks in a row of, okay, what happened between you two? So I think that's why Beth is more believable than Aaron is, because Aaron, when he went on that podcast, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but he didn't even answer the questions. He would like start the answer, but then veer off into a different direction. He wasn't asked direct questions about the relationships with the two women. And his basic thing was no i didn't have a girlfriend going on the show and i guess he felt therefore if he could just prove he didn't have a girlfriend going on the show but that's not what the issue was so yeah i mean we talked about this a lot and um but yeah ashley had spoken to beth before she interviewed aaron i don't know why she hasn't come out with that or why she hasn't maybe she did i don't and to the full podcast but yeah she made sure like which which is what she should have done if you're going to interview aaron you should probably get both sides and talk to the other person about it and then um So she knew what she was getting into. But yeah, it's fascinating how many of these stories are so much more interesting than what we see on the show Monday night. And now we're four weeks away from yet another season coming January 23rd with Zach. Like I said, the lead doesn't make the show, the contestants do. More people will be talking about the drama and the cattiness and what happened and who said what about who in an ITM. Way more so than we're going to be talking about, oh, that was a cute one on one date. Like, nobody cares. They care about the drama, they care about the cattiness. And we're going to get that come January 23rd when Zach's season starts for sure. Yep, it's coming. So, Dave, thank you very much. I know you're headed to the airport. You're headed back to—I'm assuming California—is that's where you're coming back to now? Yeah,
1: yeah, we're going early because we got that lounge life. We figured out how to get into those nice lounges now. Oh. So we're com- we're complete divas out there trying to get our uh, you know our free champagne.
0: Well, good luck with travel. I know I don't know how the weather is, and obviously with delays going on around all around the United States, I hope you don't obviously get stuck or you know who knows stuff's getting backed up good luck with your travels hope you make it back to la safe and sound and on time basically is what i'm trying to get at well
1: th- thanks so much i got my mobile uh microphones here so if i get stranded you know where to find me
0: <laughs> you got it man um- <laughs> all right we'll talk all right buddy yeah we'll talk soon all right take care bye thank you so much to uh dave for coming on always a great talk Really enjoyed the first 20 minutes talking about stand-up because, as you know, I'm a huge stand-up fan. and Just the way things have evolved in that business, I'd love to talk to more stand-up comedians. It's just tough. I've DM'd quite a few of them on Instagram, but since they don't follow me, it goes to their request folder, and I have no idea if they've seen it. Sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't, but when I'm a person that's not a stand up fellow stand-up comedian and not in the podcast world, if they don't watch The Bachelor, you know why would they have any interest in coming on my podcast so it's tough i'd like to talk to more i like i said i have some feelers out there who knows if they'll ever respond and and come on but it's just such an interesting job to me and it's such an interesting career path that can be very lucrative if you're good at it and it's just like well what is good some people have been doing comedy for 10 or 15 years and still aren't headliners at clubs and it's just like why their content, is it, is it not as funny? Well, is it not as funny to who? Because some people might think they're hilarious and be like, how can this person not be a headliner? Their stuff is so funny. And some person sitting there listening to the same exact set might be like, this isn't funny at all. So it's its amazing how that works. But anyway, uh, I thank you all for listening. really appreciate it. Wow, 2022 is in the books. That's crazy to think. Thank you all for coming along with this journey with me. You have endured me every week, every Thursday for the last some Fridays. I think I've done like five Friday shows. I had to push it back a day in in six years. But we are on uh, year six. So we have six years in the books of this podcast. That is crazy to me. We started December of 2016. The Thursday podcast will continue an interview podcast. I think next week we're going to have a really interesting guest to start out the new year only the second time they've ever been on but somebody that uh is a major uh major part of my backstory um would love to i i I can't wait for you to hear this hopefully it happens next week but it's definitely going to happen um and then obviously you're six months into the daily roundup and then hopefully starting on monday You are going to get the sports daily with reality Steve. That'll be on a completely separate feed. I'll give you the link to that. It'll be posted every day when it's up. So I'm just trying to figure out, do I post it before or after uh, the daily roundup? The daily roundup goes up right around 8am Eastern time every morning. Maybe I wait another hour or maybe I do it before. I don't know because like I said, it's not the same audience. So who knows? I might post it at midnight. I don't know. And just have it there. I, I, I do not know what I'm doing yet with. I'm posting it, but it is going to be the sports daily with reality. Steve, I've got my artwork. I'm working on the music licensing and then probably going to get a trailer out there. And, uh, hopefully that'll be up in a couple days and just, I'll be set to go by Monday. So anyway, thank you all for listening. I hope you had a great 2022 looking forward to some great things in 2023. Really appreciate all you listeners who helped this podcast survive and keep going. I wouldn't be doing this for six years if I didn't have an audience. Trust me. So, uh, I thank you the most and hope everyone has a happy new year and don't do it, Steve. Don't do it, Steve. Don't do it, Steve. I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> you get it <laughs> next year. Anyway, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. And, uh, I will talk to you next year.